Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to Life's Mountain West Wire podcast. NFL Draft Recap Edition, because that's what you do when there's sort of football news going on, because it's the biggest event where nothing happens. Matt Kennerly, Jeremy Moss hanging out as always. And how was your draft weekend, Matt? It was very eventful. I mean, I wouldn't say that nothing happened, especially if you're a Mountain West fan. Hey, you should tell ESPN Stats and Info to actually get some stats and info. Wouldn't that be nice? So, yes, the draft was great. Um, We sort of watched the draft. Like I said, it's the biggest event with that. I mean, not that anything doesn't happen, but it's not an actual sporting event, as in there was no – well, maybe people are sweating, but no – scoreboard was happening this weekend it's not an easy feat to like keep somebody's attention just waiting for things to happen you know for sure yeah it's it's i i pay attention as much as i could i was a bit busy this weekend but we caught up uh, with with everything if you missed our last show we apologize kind of what happened but hopefully you could hear through the the noise because we had some, i just blame tech issues all the time because that's the case right mm-hmm. but if you listen to it it's great but again our website i don't think i mentioned that which might be a pertinent to people who might be new Buffalo Bills fans, particularly Dallas Cowboys fans, since now they own the Mountain West apparently with, what, 10 picks or it seems like or undrafted guys going to, to just uh, how, how nice is it for Leighton Van Der Esch to go to the draft and just hang out there, doesn't have to leave for the time being, doesn't have to do the quick flight to wherever he's already in town for everything to be happening, so but our website, mwr.com, Facebook, Twitter, MWCWire, Mountain West Wire, just search us, we know what's going on and we're the, I'll just say it, we're the best place for all this Mountain West stuff, so there, I'm done word um so where should we start should we just start with the um top of the draft i guess is that how Might as well this? so here's what happened if you if you're under a rock didn't listen to the draft or don't care because you're a fan of a team that didn't have anybody be drafted but it was josh allen he was not number one overall which how shocked were you because there's a lot of talk leading up to draft where he's sort of not fade fa- i guess faded a little bit either faded depends how you look at it. either faded or baker mayfield shot up like a rocket pick your op one of the two it's probably the latter Mayfield went number one, which wasn't overly surprising to me. But the odds makers, I think, two weeks ago, who was it? I think Sam Darnold was the betting favorite to go number one to the uh, Cleveland Browns. Yeah, last I had seen, it was it was Darnold and then Josh Allen, one and two. But then, like, to me, as soon as I saw Mel Kuyper back away yeah. from Josh Allen being the number one guy, and I think he was the one, he put Mayfield in his last mock, didn't he? Yes, he changed like his final mock, and it's him from him knowing people, not just him saying where how players are fit or go. It's him, he knows people, and that's where that change came from. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and it's one thing to like be in someone's corner all along, but then all of a sudden, like when he, when someone like him is is making a change like that, to me, that tells you something like, yeah, okay, maybe there was a lot of belief that he would be, but at this juncture, probably not going to happen. Yeah, and I think Mayfield's a fine quarterback, but he shot up high. And then you had a couple other – like the funny thing with the Giants a little bit, people like, well, maybe take a quarterback for Eli Manning. They go with Saquon Barkley. And like, I guess reading up, they didn't take any consideration for, hey, we're going to trade number two. So we kind of knew it wasn't going to the Giants. The Jets was if, – if it wasn't the Jets at three, Allen would have fallen a bit, which he sort of did. Jets go with Darnold, which if you're a Jets fan, apparently everybody loves that pick because they haven't had a great quarterback in 
what Joe Namath is that probably accurate to say? I don't know. Well, let's not. Let's. I've always. I was always a fan of Chad Pennington. He did. Yeah, he's. I think he was underserved. Uh, not underserved, but underrated. He did a good enough job. Even Mark Sanchez for a little bit, he did okay for them. They went to AFC title game with him, I believe, right? They miraculously. Yes. Is that the Butt Fumble game as well? <laughs> in, uh, in no, that, that was a, that was a different Patriots game. Uh, but I mean, it was kind of interesting though because I remember hearing a lot in the the twenty four hours leading up to the draft that it was the coaching staff on the Jets that was very interested in Josh Allen. So. You know, while while we while everyone was sitting there waiting for that number three pick, I kind of thought that it might happen. So did I, because the teams that I I did some maybe tweets or maybe just in my head, if teams that need a quarterback, yeah, uh, Cleveland, Jets, Denver, that was it in the top ten. There are some trades because you had Oakland at ten, it wasn't going to take them. Tampa Bay at seven, wasn't going to take them. Colts were going to take them. But there's basically three teams with four picks in the top ten that were going to legitimately consider a quarterback. And, ten, mm-hmm. ten, and four picks, if you because the Browns had two. So four of the ten picks, if he didn't go to the Jets at three, or excuse me, Jets was iffy because Denver seemed like what John Ellie wanted to do. If he didn't, when he didn't go to Denver, I was kind of concerned, like because Bradley Chubb was a kind of a surprise pick in itself for Denver, what they're looking at. But once he didn't go to Denver, I'm like, I'm thinking there's going to be a trade to hap- happen because you know Arizona wants a quarterback, Miami was possibly looking at a quarterback. And Buffalo was also an option as well to move up to make a pick. So there's a couple teams going to make the pick to move up because I don't know. I'm thinking, I don't know, because what, what the Bills actually did, Allen goes to seven, if you haven't noticed or didn't know anything. Bills swapped first round picks with Tampa and gave up two number twos. So they gave up a lot to where I, I maybe they're afraid of somebody else moving up and get, getting them because Tampa wasn't getting, like I said, Tampa, no QB, Bears were fine, Niners just got Jimmy G, and then you had Oakland at 10. All they probably really needed to do if they wanted him could have traded with, traded to ten with uh, Oakland or something, but I guess Allen was really their guy, so they gave up a lot to move up to be their quarterback. I mean, I think you're right, especially when you consider that the other guy that they drafted in the first round, Tremaine Edwards out of Virginia Tech, they also traded up to get him too. So I think when you consider what happened afterwards, you know, considering that Arizona did in fact move up. You know, I think it was five spots to trade with the Raiders to grab Rosen. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, everybody who needed a quarterback in the top half of the draft ended up getting it. But I think, you know, it is it is kind of an interesting question about, you know, could Buffalo have have held back just a little bit and still been able to get their guy? Because I'm kind of thinking like with the with the picks that came afterwards and I'm thinking about the, you know, the Bears, the 49ers, the Dolphins. And, you know, and, yeah, and so I'm thinking like, you know, if Rosen was was Arizona's guy, I'm almost wondering if Buffalo might have been better served by staying at 12 and letting Allen fall to them. Because, I mean, it, they very clearly moved up because he was their guy rather than Rosen. But, you know, in retrospect, you kind of have to wonder about that. There's a little bit, but it's all it's like you're afraid of missing your guy because what if you do miss? Because the Bills traded Tyrod Taylor in the offseason. Um, Nate, it was Nate that Peter Ben had that five interception first half game where they benched <laughs> Taylor for him while they're in the playoff race. He throws five picks. So they may have been freaking out a little bit because they did cite A.J. McCarron, who we probably will talk about in a bit. It may be a starter for a little bit. To, until Allen can figure out what he needs to do to be the NFL starter. So there's also a little bit panicky, but I they probably could have waited and maybe not stick at 12 
Because I know the Cardinals were interested in Allen as well. And so maybe their pick was reactionary a little bit. And maybe the Cardinals did the right thing. Like maybe they're fine. I don't know officially, but just kind of thinking out loud. There are some people where Allen could go to Arizona. They realize what, what the draft order is. They see Buffalo move up. Okay, they figured Buffalo is going to take Rosen or Allen. More likely Allen from what we've all read. Like say, Bears aren't going to QB. Niners aren't. So like they could wait it. They, all they need to really do is be in front of Miami who who needs a quarterback, but that that's the safest place to be, the lowest spot they could be before they take a quarterback. So I yeah. think maybe that Bills jumped the gun a little bit. But then again, if Allen turns out to be a three-time pro bowler or starter for a decade in the league and leads them to some playoff victories, it's going to be a huge win for them regardless. But they're, it's always second-guessing after the fact, but they didn't know at the time what's Arizona doing, what's Miami doing, what is team – the Saints – Gave up a ton to move up for a freaking defensive end. So who knows what teams were thinking to do that. So it's it's still a lot to give up. But I still probably felt they, they probably moved up there because once the Broncos made a pick, may, or who knows, maybe Tampa Bay had an offer. Like, hey, the picks for sale because that's what they did. But it's I'm not a Bills fan, so I don't really care where he goes. And if he does fine, that's great. But I think the Bills may be oh, – because I don't – there's always that – what is it, the uh, trade sheet for the draft picks that Jimmy Johnson made that people still sort of fall today where yeah. maybe the rate of the pick was worth it to move up for two number twos for the Bills right before and swapping that pick. Like, what would the difference have been? I'm guessing the difference would have been maybe a, th- a second and a third. If it could have been, it could have been the same pick regardless, seven to nine. And so what's the point? Or maybe the Niners didn't want to trade. They don't care. You know what I mean? It, there's all stuff like that. For, or the Bears didn't want to make a move because they had a guy they didn't want to miss out as well. So a lot of stuff going on, but it's – who knows? But him being in, there in Buffalo, we'll – Let's move on to the next, guys. We'll talk about Allen later. Okay. Three first-rounders. That's pretty impressive. But the second one, the uh, Dallas Mountain West Cowboys pick Leighton Vanderus from Boise State at 19. I, th- that's, I think it's a pretty good pick because Cowboys need deep linebacker and Sean Lee can never stay healthy. So, But him going there was is either Cowboys or like Pittsburgh was probably where he's going to end up at. A few Boise fans, like if, if the draft was like one month later, he'd be a top-ten pick, which – wouldn't be surprising because how I shot up, but being a top 20 pick is probably where that's where I ended up being. And that's where people thought. So Pittsburgh apparently didn't want him enough. I don't know, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a good fit because, you know, Dallas has, you know, a, they have a pretty solid defense, mm-hmm. but you know, one of the things you wondered about was their depth at linebacker. Cause you know, Sean Lee is very good, but he's always getting hurt. It always seems like, and, you know, Jalen Smith, who was it, two years ago that Dallas snapped him up mm-hmm. late after he tore his ACL coming out of Notre Dame. Yes. So, I mean, and of course, you know, they have very good talent up front, none other than Demarcus Lawrence, for instance, you know, rushing the passer up there. But, you know, they had some pieces that they needed to be able to fill in. And so I think Vander Esch, you know, I think he went right around where a lot of people expected him to. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I'm not the world's greatest Dallas Cowboys fan or anything like that, but I think that he's a good fit that a good fit for them all things considered because, you know, if you go to Roto World right now for instance, they already have him listed at the top of the depth chart middle linebacker, you know, with Lee and Smith flanking him. And if if that's where he ends up, I'm not I'm not thinking that he's going to end up having a lot of competition for that starting spot. So if he can step into the heart of that defense and and start performing at the level I think we've all come to expect, then, you know, that's a huge win for the Cowboys because it's something they needed and it's something he can give them. Yeah, and also, um, Vanderess, like, it's if read stuff, like, there's a good piece by the Ringer talking about him going eight-man football, can barely wear number 95 good on the campus of Boise State where he had to, like, 
gained 50 plus pounds or whatever it may be, but he still has weight to put on. Some people are saying, so that's still, there's not much like we, the our tweet gets circulated once again during player of the year stuff, but we're wrong, whatever, but he, he's going to be a good fit there. He, a couple of things like put on the weight. And I guess one, if you're nitpicking, there's that, but he's proven he's done it every way. Every each year of college, he's gained 10 to 15 pounds. It seems like every single season. And then there's also, well, he was hurt in 2016. He only had one full season in 2017. But how many guys do you see that play like one year and get picked high just because they have one great year? Or even more extreme, if you go to the NFL level, Michael Flynn played what one game for the Packers, got a huge deal with the Seahawks, got paid for one game, and he's never to be seen again, essentially just terrible. So there's always extremes where sample size, people will over overreact either way, overreact or underreact, but... Him playing, being healthy last year, played every bowl game or every game he played in, big games, the Boise State versus Fresno title game, the interception, shutting down Oregon's rushing attack in the bowl game. Every game he played in, he was always there. And so if you're nitpicking, I guess only playing 12 games as a starter, but he's played plenty and he's proven himself along the way. But yeah, the only other pick that could have been done for him not being there is the Cowboys taking receiver, which they got later. But that's like if he didn't go to Dallas, if they picked, um, say, the guy from SNU or some other receiver. He probably would have gone. It probably would have been maybe New England or Pittsburgh for Van Der Esch, So, yeah, and I mean, it's not as though he wasn't part of that kind of upper tier of linebackers where he, you know where he didn't deserve to be a first round pick because mm-hmm. it was basically you know, Roquan Smith, who I think was the number one guy going to Chicago in the top ten, and then you know Edmonds, who was drafted with Allen to Buffalo about ten picks later, and then there was that you know maybe if you want to call it one A tier with with. Van Der Esch and Rashawn Evans, who ended up going to Tennessee a few picks after. And then after that, there was, you know, if you look at how the draft ended up unfolding, there's huge gap, you know, especially when it comes to inside linebackers as to to who was chosen when. Because, you know, the next inside linebacker wasn't taken until round four. And that was Josie. And that was Josie Jewell uh, going to Denver. So it was kind of interesting the way that that unfolded. But I think that, you know, Van Der Esch, by virtue of, you know, not only his performance throughout the season, but his performance in, you know, in the combine and the pro day and everything like that ended up right around where I think he deserved to be. Yeah. I figure top 20, like it's like me, like the Cowboys, like, oh, it's a good fit, good player. I like watching him play. Okay. Next pick, which was surprised literally everybody except for the Seahawks. Because we were joking, like, because uh, I, I sent an email to everybody, our staff, like, hey, be ready to do, like, a little pre-write, get some stuff ready. And one of our – Irwin, our San Diego, one of our San Diego State guys, is like, ah, oh, I can't be around Thursday, but odds are Penny's likely to go there. He's like, but just in case, let you know. And he already mentioned Seattle as a fit anyways, which makes a lot of sense. But then he goes in the first round. Seattle makes a trade back because they, I think they wanted to trade back to get a second-round pick as well or a day two pick. I forget exactly which one to make that move. And – well, it's a decent fit. It's just, I think it's just way too early. Like, the player itself, Penny going there, like, there's two different things from saying, like, value and if he's going to be worthy of that pick, of being a first-round pick. Most people had him, at best, a second-round pick, like a top-50 guy. He would have gone sometime Friday in the second round had he not gone to Seattle. Seattle did this with Russell Wilson. When they picked him a couple years ago, I remember Pete Carroll or maybe GM or something said, we would have taken him much higher. I forget the scenario they traded back to get him or traded down and still was able to get him. The whatever I don't remember what round he's in. I'm rambling. But same point. They wanted him enough. They moved down. Knew they could still get him. I don't know what their next pick was. Maybe that's the reason they took him at that point. I know they had other needs, but Seattle finds guys that play well that people, maybe they think they're not valued properly compared to 
everybody else to the norm, but just shot first round pick first time ever. So congrats to everybody in the first round on over the weekend. Well, to, to elaborate on your first point for a minute, what I had seen, and I forget who made a note of it. I think it was one of the Seattle beat writers up there. They had said that they would have taken Rashad Penny as high as number 18. And I think that they had moved back from 18 because I'm seeing that their pick was, you know, went from new Orleans to green Bay to Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it was the Packers that ended up drafting at 18. So obviously they were very high on him. And, you know, it's not as though, you know, Penny going in the first round was a totally unheard of concept. Like, True. you know, I, th I think we were kind of weighing throughout the kind of the last couple of months as to what it would look like, you know, his odds of being in the first round. And so like on a, on a zero to 100 scale, like where do you think it ended up at going into the draft? Cause I'm kind of thinking it was maybe like, I don't know, 20 to 80 that he would make it to the first round versus he wouldn't. I thought, yeah. Cause there was talk, like there's talk about the Patriots who always seem to take a running back. They did take a running back. Sony Mitchell they did it, yeah. from Georgia. So there's, that could be a possibility. If you look at who's at the end of the draft, we talked with our guy, Justin Mellis saying Philadelphia could be a good fit. They had that 32 pick before trading it away. But it's like, if you look who's in the back, like seven or so picks, like Baltimore probably could use, maybe he's running back, maybe. But Falcons, definitely not. Seattle, they have Chris Carson. They have, um, oh, what's his name? They have a few other guys. Um, Bobby Wagner's not on the team anymore, I don't think. No, he's, that's the other guy I'm thinking of. But Robert Smith, Robert Turbin, whatever. All the Utah State guys who played the Seattle. They had, uh, <laughs> who is it? CJ Prosite, that's who it is. Yeah, so I was running through five different names. So, not that they needed a running back, they didn't have a main back. Steelers obviously know with Le'Veon Bell, Jacksonville know, Leonard Fournette, Minnesota Vikings are fine, New England. It's like there's a couple teams. So I remember headed into the draft, not the draft, but the draft process back in like February after the Super Bowl. There was talk like Penny, maybe a 30 or so pick, but it decreased as the draft got closer. I was thinking like maybe 15% at most. But when you hear it, but it's like you said, it's not out of the ordinary or. It's not overly shocking when a first-round pick. I just think the news of him going from a first-round pick back in, even though it was a coin flip back in February till now, decreased a lot. But he has a talent because, like I mentioned, if you know Penny, kick return, punt return, he can reasonably good catch the ball. He's fit, He can play every single down. He took a million carries throughout San Diego State's career. The only big issue, his his size is okay, but it's an issue that every running back has, pass blocking. Any running back taken as a rookie will have issue pass blocking. Ezekiel Elliott... Kareem Hunt, their first years, which were amazing, had issues pass blocking. So that's like the go-to thing. If you can't find anything wrong with the running back in the first rounds because he can't pass block, well, newsflash, no running back in the NFL rookie can pass block. So, Well, and to elaborate on something else you said a minute ago, you were wondering when Seattle's next pick would have been. And it would have been in the middle of the third round. They have they had, I believe it was pick number 78, which was the 15th pick in the third round. So... You know, in the same way that we just talked about with Buffalo trading up because Allen was their guy, you know, that seems to me to send a message that Penny was their guy and that, you know, whatever plans they had in the last couple of years of working around a committee on the ground, because not only Chris Carson, but, um, you know, Thomas Rawls, who isn't on the team anymore. You know, clearly, I think they want to go back to having a guy that they can rely on. And, you know, one of the things I saw a lot of is that Penny can play all three downs. Mm -hmm. And when you put him in the backfield with someone like Russell Wilson, it's, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how that offense evolves. The only downside I can see really doesn't have much to do with Penny himself, because one of the things that a lot of, of 
you know, draft people that I or NFL people that I personally trust saw or made note of is the fact that the Seahawks didn't really do a lot to address their offensive line. Yeah. That's and, you know, when you just look at the at the top of their depth chart, you know, Dwayne Brown, Ethan Posick, Justin Britt, DJ Fluker, Jermaine Effetti. Not great up front. <laughs> so so if there are some growing pains, I think that it's going to have less to do with the runner and more to do with the guys in front of them because they have scuffled a little bit being explosive on the ground in the last couple of years. And so. It'll be interesting to see how much Penny can do on his own to kind of try and overcome that in the next couple of years. I don't think it's probably going to be right away. I think he'll find ways to be productive, even if he's not necessarily kind of a front runner for rookie of the year, if that makes sense. You think he could be rookie of the year, you think? I mean, I don't think offhand that he will be because I think that those issues up front could maybe keep him out of that discussion. But I think if you give him the next two or three years, he could definitely become a viable weapon. It's true. It dep- there's a lot of different ways to if see where he'll end up being like for rookie of the year. So a lot of quarterbacks taken, so that's going to be competition. I would say he there's room for him to maybe be starter sooner than later. Because oh definitely yeah, because, I don't like, think there's anybody on the depth chart that scares me. When Chris Carson was healthy last year, because I remember in fantasy football, I picked him up. He did great. Then he tore, did something to his ankle. He showed to, to be a very good running back, but it's not like he's somebody like. Guys, I mentioned Le'Veon Bell, Zeke Elliott, or guys who are going to be starters like right day one guys who are going to take 85, 90% of the snaps and right carrying the ball. But so there's room, like maybe he'll be the backup. He'll probably be the punt returner day one, I'm thinking, or whatever return option they want to put for him. He'll be that guy back there. And looking at what they drafted, like they drafted only one offensive lineman. So that's kind of that's a fifth round pick. But back to mm-hmm. your one point you mentioned, I kind of got, came back to me. They did two things that trade. They. Or no, I thought they moved up to. What was? The, do you know the trade they actually made? Because I thought they didn't have a pick until later. I thought they they traded. No, they traded down. Oh, sorry. Here's what it is. Their actual pick, I think, Matt was not until the fourth round, because that pick oh, of seventy nine okay. was a trade. So that this, I remember reading, hearing about. They traded back to move up into day two. I wasn't sure if it was round two or round three. So they had pick one at I think he said eighteen, or whatever that one was. New Orleans Green Bay trade. Their pick after that wasn't until. Saturday pick 20 round four so they did two things they trade they trade back to get the guy they want and get the uh, 79th pick where they took a defensive end I'm not sure if there's anything else with the trade I think maybe that six round pick was part of it as well but they traded back so they got their guy because they would take him 18 and they picked up another pick so it's kind of twofold there where they yeah maybe they took for them they took Penny probably later than they thought but had they waited and not made a trade there's no chance would have gotten Penny in round four yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's what I kind of see or what you what I think you've begun to see in the last couple of years is some teams are using running backs just a little bit differently than a guy who's, you know, you know, running the ball 200 times. Mm-hmm. So even if Penny's not doing that, you know, maybe he's just the latest iteration of someone like an Alvin Kamara mm-hmm. who, you know, maybe dropped a little bit last year relative to some of the other running backs in the draft, but you know, he got to New Orleans. Wasn't he rookie of the year, new- right? New Orleans knew exactly what they wanted to do with them. Was he rookie or, of the year, I think, last season? Uh, yeah, I believe so. You know, I'm just kind of looking – I'm looking at, like, who, for instance, was catching the most passes out of the backfield last year. And it's an interesting group because at the very top you have Christian McCaffrey. Then you have Le'Veon Bell, Kamara, Duke Johnson, yeah. and Carlos Hyde. And a lot of those guys are 
very similar, I think, in stature to someone like Penny. So, like I said, even if he's not necessarily a run, run, run kind of guy in the same way that he was at San Diego State, you know, we know that he can catch passes. We know that he can do things if you get him in space. And so I'm wondering what his role will eventually look like in the offense because, you know, there's a very good chance it may not be traditional. No, because he kick, makes a kick return, punt return. He has those options while we're catching the ball. So here's the thing. they I read, I think it's Bob Condotta over at the Seattle Times. They potentially could carry five running backs on the roster, which is that's ten percent of your, more than 10% of your roster. It's a pretty big mm-hmm. deal. We could go like 53 guys. So my thinking, his thinking, like it's a possibility, doesn't think it's likely. Like they're going to keep CJ Procise. They're going to keep um, obviously Petty. They're going to keep Chris Carson. Maybe I'm not sure their other running backs are at the moment, but those are the three top three guys who are battle out for the for probably split carries. Essentially, one A one B guy where they you can easily see with Penny's catch ability if Chris Carson depending the backfield. So you give and then Russell Wilson's ability to roll and extend plays or even run the ball himself. That gives mm-hmm. them three legit options out of that backfield to whatever they do: zone read, option, screen passes, or even counter plays to get guys involved. There's a lot of things they could be creative and do. They just got to fix the offensive line. Because we know how it is. If your line's terrible, it doesn't matter how good the running back is back there. And we know what Penny does. There was that pro football focus stat. Like he was first among rookie running backs, or I guess incoming draftable running backs, yards after contact. He was number one in the country in college football. Yes, so he was. Even I saw a few things. Well, the offensive line's terrible. Yeah, that hurts. And it's much bigger game planned from playing against the uh, Mountain West teams to going to the NFL. It's a big jump for even if you're in the pack Big 12 or Big 10. But he knows how to take contact and can make plays. He's patient back there. He may get clipped and can make moves. But if the offensive line isn't great, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world where they know a guy who's able to keep his legs going and keep moving when he, after first contact. There's guys that they get hit once, they're done. This guy gets hit. Like Saquon Barkley was, I think, 57 and 58 in that category. And he had yeah. a pretty good offensive line at, at, at Penn State. So. And he goes number two overall. And also should be noted, Penny was the second running back drafted overall. There you go. Boom. There's your there's your people who say I don't like Aztecs. We like the Aztecs, folks. <laughs> We're not going to dive into that too much because that happens for every team. Next pick. So how from one to ten, how shocked were you about Austin Corbett going to the Browns? At the pick number, not necessarily the team. So for those of you who aren't aware, that is pick number 33, which is the first pick of the second round. And to answer your question, I kind of figured Corbett would be a second round pick, but I didn't expect him to be a high second round pick. So in that particular case, it did surprise me that the Browns thought so highly of him. He And also oh, one thing we did note here really quick, round one, as we joked about ESPN stats and info, they put it, what was their tweet about the American has more draft picks than the Big 12? Mm-hmm. They had two, correct, in the first round? Uh, yeah, I think it ended up that two. way. I know they had I know they had at least one, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, good job, you had one. Good job. Can we take the power six thing from America now? Is that fair game? Yes, it belongs to us now. I won't use it, though, because it's a terrible idea, but sure, we'll run with it. Uh, they had, who was it? Um, it was a... It was, it was Mike Hughes going to Minnesota. Mike Hughes, behind every Mountain West player. Yes. Undefeated. Air quotes, national champion, Central Florida. Emphasis on the air quotes. <laughs> Very emphasis. Undefeated, awesome, great. Not going to bash that. Just they ran with it, and it, it's worked well for them. But, yes, Mountain West had three picks in the first round, more than any other group of five, and the Big 12 combined, or tied, excuse me. Because you had Central Florida, Mike Hughes, you had Baker Mayfield, number one. 
And then UTSA defensive end um, went to the Saints. Marcus Davenport. And then he had four of the first 33. So pretty good. But to the Browns, you're right. First, being that pick, that selection was surprising because our guy Justin DeMello said he's a he's a could be a starter day one in the NFL on the offensive line. He's going to play guard, not tackle due to just a size thing a little bit. But it does give them versatility where, hey, go play tackle for a couple of plays. He'll give them – because it's like with uh, – who was it picked years ago um, with the Raiders? He got long hair, the offensive lineman. He was from Iowa, like number two overall. You're um, talking about Robert Gallery. Robert Gallery. They were freaking out that he went number two, going to play guard. Because tackle is more valuable than guard. But I think he ended up playing every single position on the offensive line at some point for the Raiders and was like a 10-year starter. And so mm-hmm. that versatility, he may not play center, but if he can play tackle to pinch as like maybe the third tackle at some point. But starting guard isn't the work for him. And the Browns, they did a lot of good things. Like the Browns, pretty terrible. Obviously, one win in two seasons. He goes to Cleveland 33. They get Nick Chubb. They get their quarterback. They have, who knows what Josh Gordon could do if he could actually be healthy and not have drug problems or something with the team. Maybe they win six games next year, but that's it. It's a good fit for him, I think, just because there's open competition with the team being so terrible in Cleveland. And maybe he'll be part of, of that turnaround. All of a sudden, the offense in Cleveland looks a lot more interesting than it did a few days ago. And and not just because of Corbett, you know, because, you know, I don't think we mentioned they Guards drafted sexy, Baker Mayfield number one overall. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so they they have their quarterback of the future, if not necessarily of the present. You know, they have Tyrod Taylor as a, who's you know pretty good stopgap. I think he's yeah. better than a lot of people give him credit for. So they signed Carlos Hyde to complement with Duke Johnson. That's right. Hyde you mentioned from, Josh. Niners, you, right? Yeah, okay. you mentioned Josh Gordon. They also signed Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if Corey Coleman can ever stay healthy, then you know that's a really interesting trio. They don't and have David Tyrod Njoku, Taylor who's, anymore. Tyrod Taylor or not Tyrod Taylor. Um, Terrell Pryor. He's with Washington now, right? No, he's he's a Washington. Okay, yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, and then you know they have David Njoku, who was one of their first round picks last year. And it's interesting that you mentioned you know they're probably going to play him inside because you know their inside may not be bad already. So even if he's no more than like a rotation guy from day one, you know Kevin Zeitler has been a pretty solid guy for going on like what half a dozen years now and interestingly let's not forget that the browns also drafted joel batonio another nevada guy a few years ago that's right so if they're if they're playing him inside all of a sudden you know that's a trio of guards that can i I think can make some hay inside and when you're considering you know the defenses that they'll have to face in the afc north thinking specifically about baltimore and pittsburgh you know it may not be you know, always pretty right away. But I think that Corbett definitely found himself a pretty good home with an offense that is very clearly building towards something. I hope so. Yeah. And also should not be understated. Jim Brown running back extraordinaire from the Cleveland Browns announced the pick. Yes. So that's got, that's gotta be worth something, right? Mm hmm. All right. So next pick, we went away for pick. I kept trust busy working, doing stuff on Friday. I'm like, when's the next pick? When's the next pick? Well, Dallas Cowboys strike again, I believe. Is that, is that the correct pick? Michael Gallup was the next guy at 81 in the conference, I believe. Yes, it is. So he's a – basically, I'm going to say it, he's replacing Des Bryant. That's Just don't worry about it. You're good, Michael. You got you could replace Des from 2016, Des. But no, pres- no pressure, No right? pressure. But this was a pick that was um, – or the team itself. It's hard to – like when you look at mock drafts, like, well, if you're right on the position, you're mostly right even if the player's not there. But there's talk about Gallup. Like, I think CBS 
early, early, early in the draft process, felt him as a under the radar guy, maybe late round, first round pick. But they, it's kind of guys who are like little sleeper guys who could be a first rounders, kind of maybe guys who'd overachieve their actual pick spot because first round was out of the question. Second round maybe, but third round to Cowboys, they like we mentioned with they pick Van Der Esch in the first round. He's a similar styling guy to Des Bryant. I don't know if he because he catches the ball. He we've seen Gal make some acrobatic plays. He has the big size. Like for me being a Cowboys guy forever. We had Michael Irving, who was the best at pushing off without really pushing off with the size. <laughs> He'd get his hands up mm-hmm. by the numbers and give enough separation, kind of what Randy Moss does a little bit, or maybe more Terrell Owens, sort of, that type of big type of receiver where he can catch the pass. He's not super fast. He can get clipped off line of scrimmage a little bit and get off his game, but he he just has the size to get those plays, and he has really, really, really good route running skills. So that's always a big deal for going to next level because if you can run the precise routes, because you're never open in the NFL. They're going to throw it to where you're going to be open. And I, I think it's a good pick. He's going to come in with – because they have uh, – they also lost Bryce Butler, I think, former Aztec, who's with the Cardinals. So the receiving core needs players. And so he he might be – if he might be the third, third receiver going into camp. Yeah, and I mean it's it's kind of a need for them, yeah. which is a little weird to say you know, for a third-round pick. But you mentioned Bryant. You know, Terrence Williams. Mm, you know, that's right. Hit or miss? Uh, I, uh, he's yeah, he's he's hurt right now. I believe at the at, at the moment is he not? I I'm not entirely sure. But I so he he's he always stepped in pretty well last year when Bryant was out, but he doesn't seem to yeah. be a guy when he's number two to play that well. Yeah, and so and then they you know they signed Alan Hearns, who you know had a very good year two years ago, and then kind of disappeared for stretches last year in Jacksonville. You know they have Cole Beasley, who's very clearly pretty good in the slot. Mm-hmm. But they really need a guy like Gallup outside. And they lost Jason Witten to retirement, so yeah. And they and they traded Ryan Switzer, did they not? Uh, yeah, they picked up uh, Tavon Austin, who's going to play strictly running back from the Rams. Now, no more wide receiver mix. He's going to be just running back, which is probably going to catch some passes out of the backfield. But he's not going to be splitting time what the Rams are doing with receiver and running back. He's strictly an RB. So I think that when you consider all of those things, and when you also consider that, generally speaking, the the market for wide receivers was not as strong as it had been in past years, because, for instance, only two of them were taken in the first round, and both of those guys, Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore, were taken late in the first round. And then a whole bunch of guys that I think we all considered to be very good in their own right were taken in the second round. I'm talking about you know Christian Kirk. Texas A&M, Anthony Miller from Memphis, James Washington, Dante Pettis. So I think that when you consider where he's taken, like that's really good value because you know what he's going to be able to bring to the table. You know he's got good hands and you know he's going to have a chance to step in right away and contribute. So I think if if you are a Dallas Cowboys fan, that pick is almost as important as, you know, drafting Vander Esch in the first round. Because, you know, as good as the defense could be with Van Der Esch in the middle of it, you know, if Gallup can step in and be a contributor on the outside right away, that'll make the offense that much better. Sure, and then let's just go to the next pick really quick. It's uh, Cedric Wilson, Boise State, now the wide receiver going to the Cowboys. And so that's exactly. a similar thing. Like, there, we see both those guys play. Wilson is basically, like I did my write-up, he played, obviously, QB in high school, went to JUCO, All-American, Boise State, All-Conference, Basically stud every step of the way. He's only been a receiver for like basically four years of his uh, football playing career. And so him going to the Cowboys is he'll he'll find a spot. I'm pretty sure he'll stick with the roster, even though he was was he sixth round pick? Two oh eight. Was that sixth round? Two oh eight. Yeah, it was sixth round. 
So it's a late pick, but I think that's kind of low for him because I thought he was going to go much higher. Like, well, fifth round, I'm guessing, where I thought. But 208 was late in the first round if I can. If I, I wish I put the draft selection too, but he went to – where was that pick in the Cowboys? That end of the, yeah, basically end of the – oh, could, that was a – I can never say it properly. Compensatory pick. Compensate. Oh, jeez. Compensatory. I can never say compensatory for some reason. Even though it's exactly how it sounds, he was a compensatory sixth round pick. So basically, a seventh round pick, almost if you think about it. But they need receivers, and again, fifth round is probably where he should have gone. But he goes to Michael Gallup, who will should get significant. Like here's a pick out analysis from GovernmentNFL.com. Wilson joins Michael Gallup as rookies who should compete for significant playing time in 2018 because there'll be plenty of opportunity, as we mentioned, with what what the Cowboys lost in the offseason for picks and health wise too. So. He also does maybe get a little bit of kick punt return because he did that a little bit in his first year at Boise State. But we've all seen him play. He's gotten better. He catch he could catch everything downfield. He, like I said, every step of the way he's gone, college, JUCO, Boise State, blew, blew the doors off everybody. So I expect him to maybe be like their fourth or fifth receiver, but still with the way the Dallas plays offense, I know they have Ezekiel Elliott running the ball a lot, but they'll still go three-plus wide with one back. They'll go four wide, one running back. So there should be plenty of chance for him to touch the ball. Would would now be a good time to make note of the fact that it was really weird that four specialists got taken before someone like Cedric Wilson? There were four? Who were those four specialists? So there was one kicker, um, Daniel Carlson from Auburn, who's taken with the 30th pick in round five. Okay. And there were three punters that were also taken in the fifth round. You know, Michael Dixon who went to the Seahawks. Punters. Uh, Jake Punters. <laughs> and, you know, J.K. Scott from Alabama went in the fifth round, and Johnny Townsend from Florida, also a fifth-round pick. That's a little strange, isn't it? What, say the teams again. It was uh, Seattle. Say those teams again. So Dix, Dixon went to Seattle, Scott went to Green Bay, and Townsend went to Oakland. Tell me Green Bay couldn't need a receiver after getting rid of Jordy uh, Nelson. Oakland to That's traded. what I'm thinking, or right? Oakland got rid of uh, isn't who they trade Amari, Amari Cooper? Because I mean, they do still. I mean, the Packers still do have Devontae Adams, and I think they're expecting big things from him as kind of maybe their new number one guy. And they do have Randall Cobb, which is kind of nice. Yeah, but I think the offense has always worked best when they've had a third guy. That is interesting. It's a. Uh... I don't know, teams, there's some weird picks. Maybe Seattle, yeah, Seattle and, really wants to play the field position game. Even Seattle could yeah. use a receiver. Didn't they lose Paul Richardson? Didn't he go somewhere else, or is he still on that team? I mean, I think you could probably make the case that the Seahawks are more fine because they do still have Doug Baldwin, and they do have Tyler Lockett as their number two, who, you know, I, I like his potential as maybe a breakout candidate coming into 2018. And the Raiders, it seemed like nobody had any idea what the Raiders were doing. Well, Gruden watched draft. 1998 football, so. Apparently. Um, was, was, he, was he around so, when they picked Sebastian Janikowski in the first round? Was he their coach at the time? I think he might have he been. He might have been. <laughs> oh, man, I have to go back and look that up. That is a great question. But, I mean, but then, you know, the Raiders did – you know, pick up Jordy Nelson. They did trade for Martavis Bryant, which, and they did have, you know, Amari Cooper. So maybe them, you know, their passing on Wilson makes a little more sense, but it was just one of those things where a lot of people were pointing it out, you know, on Twitter and things like that. Why are so many punters being taken? So it's going to be really interesting to see if a guy like Wilson, who, you know, maybe he benefits from that slide because he ends up in a little bit better situation 
and you know going to an offense that has established playmakers you know has a pretty good quarterback under center and Dak Prescott you know and can go and be a guy where you know not all the pressure's on him where you know we've already seen what he could do when the pressure is on him to be the number one guy yeah. so you know I think it is I think it's a good spot for him too it'll be good yeah with Dallas needing so many receivers he has a chance to play play his way into a good spot there all right, so mm-hmm. who had a San Jose State player not named Frank Ginda drafted? You're a liar. <laughs> you had Jermaine Kelly get drafted to the Texans. I did not. Nobody did, right? Until I did. Nobody did. Um, but here's the it always seems like there. It always seems like there's one guy that everybody overlooks from the Mountain West that gets drafted every year. Like a couple of years ago, it was Maurice Alexander from Utah State, wasn't it not? Yeah, he got picked up high to the Rams, like a yeah. third rounder. And I mean, I think that it's it's – when you go back and really look at his track record, it kind of makes sense because he did come to San Jose state as, you know, a high force or not a high four star guy, mm-hmm. but he did come in as a four star recruit. And, you know, maybe some of the production was overshadowed by how rough things were, you know, up front, especially, you know, maybe their ability. Cause you know, I was always, I remember in past season previews, I was always, I think the one among, among both of us, <laughs> Where like I wanted to believe in that secondary because I always thought that they had talent there. They you know, did. Benet like Ben Wickery but... got picked up with the Cardinal or the Panthers. He got yeah. drafted. So yeah, and Andre Chaudhry who mm-hmm. signed a free agent deal. Um, you know, Maurice McKnight who last I checked, I haven't seen anything mm-hmm. as of yet. But you know, Kelly was one of those guys where I thought that you know if they could find a way to stabilize things, that you know his talent I think would be more evident and maybe he's just one of those guys that got overlooked, you know, because other guys in the conference, you know, like Jalen Davis or, or Tyler Horton. Oh, but Jalen Davis you know. didn't get drafted though. Well, I'm just saying those yeah. guys ended up being more productive in the last couple yeah. of years. But, and part of it, know, when you could run San Jose state just runs the ball or gets run on against like, there's not many opportunities in game film to see what he could really do. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, it's not necessarily a bad pick because, you know, he's one of those guys that maybe was just a little bit overshadowed. Well, and with me being a – also, a, yeah, I don't care. I like two football teams, Cowboys and Texans. Get over it. But Texans have had issues in the secondary for the past couple of years. So mm-hmm. while it's a seventh-round pick, it's still going to be tough for a seventh-round guy to make the roster. There's a ch- there's a decent chance he could – he'll make whatever – I know they changed the cut recently, but he'll be – if he's not on the team, he'll be one of the final guy cuts. I'm thinking for what for that positional need in that set unit because the Texans have had issues secondary DBs, cornerback, safety, and they play in a division where it's not needed. Nickelback unless Andrew Luck can actually be healthy and play. Like nobody's scared of uh, Blake Bortles out in Jacksonville really to throw the ball. Tennessee Marcus Mariota runs the ball a little bit. Um, I don't remember who the other team is in the division, but whatever. Oh, there's only four teams now. Never mind. That's how it works. I think, but. That could that could also play an effect. Like if he played division where there's a lot of good quarterbacks, maybe he'd want that extra DP. But he hasn't. I'm actually make the team, but there's there's reason to be optimistic that he could stick on the roster with the Texans. Yeah, I mean, I think if you go back and look at what he did during San Jose State's draft, uh, not draft day, pro day. You know, I think that there's you know reason to be intrigued because he did run a four five two forty, which you know for his size is only six foot one ninety six. But I think that that's a pretty fair forty for that particular size. And he had a vertical jump of thirty four inches. You know, he had a broad jump of a little over ten feet. And so I think you know even if all he does is start by kind of de- being as like a slot defender or something like that. 
I'm with you. I think that the Texans can make use for him if he can work his way onto the roster. Yeah, we'll see about that. So next pick, um, kickers? Sure. J.C. Sanders goes to the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that to me also makes sense too because if nothing else, like we knew that Jason Sanders had a very strong leg. Mm-hmm. You can always and I'm, and I'm, I don't I'm, know. What else It's a kicker? He's accurate in college. Obviously, you don't get picked if you're not. Well, I mean, and I wish I had brought this up ahead of time. I'm trying to look up what um, his touchback percentage was last year because – you know, that's one of those things that kind of gets overlooked a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to speak and talk at the well, same time. Well, wait, wait, what is, you go to, the, go to Dolphins. One thing, too, there's I, people don't realize New Mexico is actually at some altitude. Miami's basically negative sea level. And so that, who knows, if you're, like, strong. That's just some weird thing people try to put in there. Oh, he can, Josh Allen threw it 7,500 feet. He could throw the ball a mile because of that. But you're right, if you have a strong leg, you don't want anybody to return the ball. That Even, though, even with them, keep moving and moving the kickoff forward. You still have to have some sort of leg to get it out of the end zone. And if you can do that, if you could be accurate, it's the main thing. Like, you're they're not going to keep a guy just because you kick out of the end zone. you got to be someone accurate from at least 45 yards out to make the roster on team. Yeah. There was a thing. Who was it? The uh, Jay Aguayo or whatever for the Tampa Bay took a super early pick. He just fizzed out. He's a seventh-round pick. Roberto Aguayo. Oh, Roberto, whatever. Aguayo. I just remember something. But, so did you find that percentage yet? Did that help you out enough? I did. Um, I had to dig around through football study hall for that, so I appreciate appreciate you covering for me. But you know, last year he had a touchback percentage of eighty one percent. How does that compare to other people, or is that more stats you'd look up? And well, if I had to, if I had a chance to look up other team profiles, I might be able to tell you. Okay. But suffice it to say that eighty one percent is pretty good. They were number one in the country in average kickoff, seen or New Mexico was, or number one in the conference. If that helps out, yeah. Yeah, and he was 25 of 35 on his career, and we we know that he can make field goals of over 40 yards. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking, I can't remember if I just said it or not, but like the Tulsa game, did I mention that already? Not yet, no. I just remember watching that game and being really impressed with how strong his leg was because I think he had two or three conversions that were not very easy attempts. And so I think that, you know, again, it's a seventh-round pick. It's a need that the Dolphins have, so... I think he's going to have every chance to win that job. And also, really quick, he was number New Mexico. I'm pretty sure it's all his kickoffs were number two in the country last year in touchback yeah. percentage. So there you go, forty touchbacks or thirty nine, which was whatever a team score a lot depends if you get the number, but pretty good. Next pick, the final pick, Nick Bodden by the Lions, who desperately need running back help. So get some guy to block for whatever running backs are on the team. So. And he can catch the ball a little bit, so I think he can really stick on that team. Just because they want to run, they want to. They've proven with Matt Stafford in there, he could throw pretty well still. But they need a guy who could actually block for who's the guy they picked up from Amir Abdullah, I think, a couple years ago from Nebraska. Like they need guys to block because their running back has just been blah since Barry Sanders was there. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they have a trio of running backs that, you know, when when you consider what they do for the team or what they might do for the team, it's going to be really interesting to see how Bodden fits in because, you know, they have Abdullah, who you mentioned, and they signed LeGarrette Blunt That's right. from Philly. And they also have Theo Riddick, who's best known as a guy who catches passes out of the backfield. So when you consider that all three of those guys do different things, like, you know, Blunt doesn't, has never struck me as the kind of guy who needs a lead blocker or something nope. like that. Um, 
and you know Abdullah is I think he has talent but he's never been able to stay healthy long enough to prove it and you know the Lions every time I've watched them they seem to run well not exclusively but most often from like a single back shotgun kind of set you know because that plays to Matt Stafford's strengths so I remember seeing that the Lions were interested in Bodden kind of leading up to the draft but it's I'm if I have a concern about anybody being able to make the team out of the guys who've been who were drafted this year, to me, just the way that the Lions offense has run in the last couple of years leads me to worry whether Bodden is going to be a good fit for that team. That's true. Also, should we know they drafted Carryon Johnson from Auburn with the forty third pick? So uh, yes, and I don't think they're going to change their offense too much. But you're right, like they. But also, sure, a lot of teams use shotgun. And what's the point in fullback if you're not going to be under center? Because it's a waste to have a guy out there. Bodic can catch a little bit, so maybe there's that tiny bit of help, helpfulness there. Maybe they stick him at sort of a tight end H-back type of the deal where if they aren't shotgun, he's a blocking guy on the outside. So maybe they're, yeah. when they do those, because they'll run out of the backfield. If you run a extended draw player, extended play to the outside, you could have him blocking out there. It's, it's tough for any fullback to make the league. Out of college or stick too, because you have to have a particular team, a particular fit. It's not like you're going to like even Dallas, who has a guy who runs the ball a ton, Ezekiel Elliott. They're not under under center a ton, and they had Jason Witten kind of block another guy like the who was it the uh, former Aztec tight end who's with the Cowboys now. It's based on the name, but you got to be certain teams that need a fullback. Like if you are who I'm trying to think of a team that do that a ton, maybe Minnesota a little bit when they had a, like a, a Matt Asiad out there, they'd have a Klein Saucer from years ago being a fullback out there. Those type of guys, but it's it's tough to make a team at fullback. So who would you? So do you think he's well, least likely to make a team out of anybody who is drafted? I mean, I would be a little bit worried, but then you know I was going and I was doing some re- more research while you were talking. And I found an article from the Detroit Free Press from back in February where, you know, new head coach Matt Patricia came, you know, obviously came from the Patriots. He retained Jim Bob Cooter as the offense (laughs) coordinator. And so, you know, it's to me, it's interesting, one, that you would keep the same guy you know, from the previous regime. Mm-hmm. But two, you, what, what stood out to me is that he wants to have a more physical offense. And so I'm wondering if that means maybe there will be a little more room for Bodden than there would have been in the past when I bl- I'm blanking. Was it Jim Caldwell who was the I believe so. head familiar. coach before Detroit? Sounds like. Sounds yeah, right. so, so, you know, maybe Patricia's influence will be to be a little more run-oriented than they have been in the last couple of years. But, you know, all things considered, is as, as effective as Matt Stafford has been throwing the football – you know, I'm not sure how much sense that makes offhand without doing that much research into into what the offense is going to look like. But yeah, I'm kind of taking a wait and see approach as to whether Bodden will be a good fit for that team. I mean, because I do think that there are teams out there where he where he would fit in a little bit better. But obviously, you know, with new head coach, we'll have to kind of wait and see. All right, let me let's, let me ask you a broad question because we're probably not going to get to our spring stuff here, which is fine. So, out of all the picks. Um, we mentioned in passing, if you're still with us, about Penny, rookie of the year situation for offense. Um, do you think Josh Allen or Richard Penny is a D? De- what chance would you give them of being rookie rookie of the year? Um, Josh Allen, zero. Why zero? <laughs> Jeez, you're like, no. <laughs> zero. Well, Why is that? I mean, I mean, we didn't really talk about it, but have you seen the offense around him? Yeah, there's nobody. I mean, they have LeJean McCoy. Well, okay, one guy. 
and that's about it. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, I mean, that's fair points. It's I mean, valid Kel- points. Kel- Kelvin Benjamin is fine. You know, Charles Clay is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Zay Jones, kind of a disappointment in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Curley is, you know, fine. He's done nothing. He's a return guy at best. Yeah, and I mean, I also don't think that, you know, you have an article up, you know, about asking whether he's going to be a day one starter. I mean, I would be very surprised if he was, because I think he's going to need time to learn an NFL offense and not, you know, rather than get thrown into the fire, which is why I think they they signed A.J. McCarron to their deal. Yeah, for any quarterback they're going to have is going to wait. And the GM said the right things. Like, I did a quick piece. He's like, we're not going to rush him, but you know what? If he somehow wins a job, he wins it, which is... What else do you want him to say? You know what I mean? You're not going to name him to start it right away. And you're not going to say he's not going to start no matter what. It's the, the, the quote, the mention there is nothing, shouldn't blow anybody's mind. Like, of course he has a chance. You traded up to get him. He's a top 10 quarterback. And if you look at guys I mentioned, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, who are turning to be elite quarterbacks in the league, like, you're not going to see a guy, or even Deshaun um, Watson, Texans, they, for some reason they went with Tom Savage for some dumb reason. He got benched in a quarter. He comes in and would have won rookie of the year last year. And so if he's ready to play, he'll be ready to play. But Alan notes himself, he brings up the stat thing, which is fine. But he at least acknowledges his footwork is where a lot of issues come into play, where he struggles. And maybe they got the right coach to do that. I'm betting, mm. like, he's. I, I agree with you probably. I mean, I'll give him 1% chance because if he starts week one or week two, he has a chance. But highly chance, probably not. Yeah. And plus, I mean, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I, was just, I didn't know if we were turning our attention to Penny or not. Yeah, let's move to Penny, yeah. Can it, but I mean, is it a cop out to say non zero chance? You could just say 1% chance. No, I mean, I, I don't think it's <laughs> as little as 1%. I just think that there's there's a few different possibilities that I really like for their potential. You know, we didn't talk about Lamar Jackson at all because it's not really our purview. Is he going to unseat Joe Flacco, who's elite in his own right? <laughs> I mean, I think that's a very interesting landing spot for him. And I, I kind of, I mean, I've always kind of liked Lamar Jackson. I think, you know, Maybe this is a maybe this is my I don't know if it's a stupid NFL hot take, Ooh, but I think he's gonna I think he's gonna end up having a better career than Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson will. Yes, I think so. So I did like if you look but at the, I'm, oh, no continue with that. Sorry, that's a. Oh no no no! I was gonna say, but I I like Josh Rosen's chances to unseat Sam Bradford in Arizona. Um, I like you know. Uh, I like Cortland Sutton landing in Denver. I think it, you know, he, if he can step up and be a contributor, he could be wait, wait, wait. a who's very gonna, strong throw, candidate. Wait, wait, wait. Who's going to throw the ball in Denver? <laughs> Case Keenum, of course. Okay, sure. Just wondering. <laughs> and so, like, I think Penny is definitely in the conversation, at least a little more so than than Josh Allen would be. But it's tough to say because, I, I don't know. I mean, if I had to pick one guy... Josh right Rosen now, could I think be it, up there because Cardinals have weapons. I mean, I like DJ Moore in Carolina as well. Mm-hmm. But I think at worst, Penny's maybe like, I don't know, top four as far as rookie of the year conversation goes. I would put him high because look what Alvin Kamara did last year. Like He'll, he'll have the chance to make plays. That's the thing. It's like all about opportunity. And we're just looking at first-round guys like, who knows, maybe Nick Chubb went to Cleveland, could do something crazy and be very good. <laughs> um, like you mentioned, yeah. Sutton, second-round pick. Uh, who else do we got here? A couple rounds. Like I don't think Christian Kirk will do it at the Cardinals. You never know. With that offense, maybe there could be a chance there. But it's just all about getting opportunities. And Penny should have a chance to maybe be a starting running back in the league. Or at least a 
one two type combination. So it's it's still a low percentage. It's pretty dumb for us to decide who could be rookie of the year, but because there could be a guy in the fifth round who comes out of nowhere and does something amazing. Like who knows? Maybe Royce Freeman goes to Denver because Denver running back he's from Oregon. Uh, Denver cut um, CJ Anderson, so they have who is it the um, the guy from University of Utah is on the team. Um, they expected big things. He's a starting running back now. And then maybe Royce Freeman to be in the backup could unseat him because he hasn't shown a ton of everything with, with Denver. So there's a million chances to look at it. But opportunity, um, do you think any of the quarterbacks? I think if it's any, any of the quarterbacks, it's going to be Josh Rosen, who has the best chance. Yeah, I mean, I liked Josh Rosen the most out of any of the quarterbacks in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's a little bit ironic that he was the last <laughs> one chosen. Yeah, the, out of the four. But, but, then again, I'm, but then again, I'm not an NFL draft expert by any stretch. So you could take what I say with a grain of salt. That's okay. Do you think Van Der Esch has a chance for defensive rookie of the year? With oh, absolutely. Cow- with that Cowboys yeah. defense? Yes. Okay. I, I, I don't know. People like Derwin James, but a safety winning that award is pretty tough with the Chargers. Um, DB's probably not going to win. It's going to be some sort of linebacker. Who knows? Maybe Rashard Evans going to Tennessee. But I think Van Der Esch, with the way the De- Dallas' defense is, has a pretty good chance. Um, let's Before we start embarrassing ourselves talking too deep, let's go to undrafted guys here. All right, let's do it. <laughs> So I assume you and me are both shocked with Cameron Kelly and Jalen Davis not being picked more Kelly than Davis. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that because, you know, in the last couple of years, we've seen how versatile he could be because he was a cornerback, you know, before he became a safety last year. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that the NFL really values these days. You know, the, the ability to do more than one thing, especially when it comes to defending against the pass. So I think we all kind of expected that he would at least find a home on day three. And it was really shocking when he wasn't. It's true. Like, and also one other note as well, like Rico Galford sticking with the DBs, Tennessee, I believe made him the uh, highest paid undrafted guy on their team. So that is interesting. He was either top or one of the top amounts, which probably equates like a $20,000 signing bonus, which is a pretty good deal for those guys. So and there's a, a lot of DBs too, like Dallin Levitt, Robert Jackson. A lot of guys getting picked. No, no, it shocked me. Oh no, you put it in there. Sorry, Devonte Boyd. He picked up by the Bengals. But I think Kelly, like we talked to our guy Justin, he's saying third round pick. And a lot of people were saying like, "Where's Cameron Kelly? Why is he not get picked up by anybody?" But he, he's gonna he's gonna make a roster. I'm gonna say he's gonna make the Cowboys roster. I think. I mean, you would probably know better than I would. Yeah. I'm saying, just, even without knowing the Cowboys all that well, I think he has a good chance. <laughs> I'm just saying for where yeah. he should have been going, like that shouldn't be a shock. And then David Wells, he might stick at the Cowboys if with Jason Witten retiring mid-draft, which is kind of weird. Wasn't it like right before the draft? I think it came. Well, I think it came official during the draft, but Jerry Jones and those guys probably knew. But Jason Witten is going to be your future uh, Monday Night Football commentator. So that's where he's oh, there you, there you go. Most likely, that's the rumor, but I'm assuming he passed. I remember hearing about Brett Favre where he basically failed out of the booth. So, mm-hmm. uh, Anybody else? Lamar Jordan going to be a wide receiver with the Falcons? Not not even a tryout. Got a, a free agent deal. So there's a couple of guys tryouts, but why not? I mean, he's athletic enough. Yeah, I mean, wasn't um, – correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Taylor Gabriel a quarterback before he was a wide receiver? I don't recall. I'm not sure about that. I, you know, my point being that, you know, they the Falcons have made that kind of conversion work for them before. So that, I think, is a kind of an interesting landing spot for him. What else do you see interesting out of those uh, undrafted guys? I mean, I think it is interesting that Frank Ginda, who we alluded to a minute ago, ended up in Arizona. Yeah, tackle machine Ginda. 
Yeah, I mean... Chachery, yeah, Texans. Yeah, and, and like I said in our... Um, in our in our preview show, maybe it's that he was a little bit undersized, but I, you know I do think that you know he should be able to at least compete for a roster spot, even if he's not starting right away. Because you know the Cardinals, if you look at their depth chart, very interesting linebacking core. You know they drafted Deion Buchanan, for instance, as a safety. He's listed at weak linebacker now. Interesting. And Hassan Reddick, who I think was their first round pick last year, so. You know, it, it may take a little bit of work for him to find a spot, but I do think that he has a chance to do so. Um, other than that... I think Jake Bennett only getting a rookie camp trial is interesting with Tampa Bay. I thought he would have been a bit higher, or at least get an undrafted deal, not just a tryout. I'm really looking forward to seeing if Dijon Allen yes, can make the, can make this the, the Bears. roster in Chicago. Yeah, because I think they have a... They have an okay offensive line. You know, Kyle Long, if he's healthy, is a pretty good, you know, yes. pretty good guard. But I don't know that there's necessarily anybody on the outside. You know, their tackles right now are listed as Bobby Massey and Charles Leno, which, you know, not great for a team that's you know, clearly kind of working their way up back up into being a contender. But I mean, Josh or not Josh Allen, Dijon Allen was this, you know, steady kind of guy for what he was a four year starter, was he not? Allen, uh, I'm not sure. He started. He was a lot at least games. a three-year starter. Yeah, thirty-plus games. And so I think. That. <laughs> so I think it'll be interesting to see if if he can make the roster. What kind of an impact he can make? We'll see. What do you think about um, your Fresno guy, Demar Scott, going to Cleveland? Does he have a shot? You think? I mean, Cleveland, like as like we were talking about earlier, they're looking a lot more interesting on offense. I mean, another way of stating that is they look really stacked at receiver now. So and besides the the top three that they have, you know, Richard Higgins is still on the roster. You know, Ricardo Lewis is on the roster. They signed Jeff Janis, so I think he's going to have a real uphill battle to make the cut. It's true. I also think with Cleveland, like I mentioned, Josh Gordon, if he can get his nose straight and not mess around, maybe that's where yeah. they're adding as many as possible just to see. Because Higgins, he had like what, what I remember in fantasy football, like he had one one and a half good games. People clamoring to pick him up because. If you're on a bad team, they throw the ball a lot. He was the guy for a little while. You want that guy. And so maybe they're still not completely sold on him because he didn't keep that consistency up. I would say, looking overall, a couple other uh, picks here. I'm surprised. Um, I think out of all, I think Cameron Kelly's going to make a team. I think Jalen Davis will make the Dolphins. I think he makes enough playmaking ability to justify to take a chance on him to stick on the roster. So got, still got to prove it, obviously. Um, the money they paid Rico Gafford to tenant for Tennessee, pretty good chance. I think um, what other guys looking at who was it here? Um, Texans, obviously Andre Chatre. I mentioned they need DB help, so that's a decent chance. Uh, where did I look at some Devonte Boyd? I think he's going to make the uh, roster for Cincinnati if he can stay healthy. They're, sure, but a broken bone is not really a health concern where it's like a nagging, reoccurring injury. That's true. So you have Devontae Boyd. Bengals have um, still have um, what's his name? The Red Rocket, their quarterback. What's his name? Um, Andy, Andy Dalton, Andy the quarterback. They have uh, AJ Green. That's about it. Is, that, is there anybody else I'm missing from the receiving core that's any noteworthy? Uh, well, I mean, Brandon LaFell is solid. Okay, not, not necessarily bad. spectacular. And did you mention Josh, John Ross? I did not. I should have mentioned John Ross, the guy who, who could have won an island if he wore the right shoes at the combine last year. <laughs> could have won an aisle. Yeah. <laughs> but he also disappointed last year. He did not he was terrible. So 
Like he's, I mean, he was hurt, and then he never really found well, the field. That's what I mean. That. I'm just saying, not ter- well. That's what I mean. Like he, his production wasn't there due to various reasons. So when I when I say terrible, that's just because he he wasn't on the field. His injury. I apologize. That's a case I remember now. But he when he played, he wasn't doing much, and so that's always a concern. No, he's like, there's no chance of like him getting cut or released or being his. Wasn't he a first round pick last year? Something. Uh, he was ninth overall. Yeah. Okay, a top pick, and so. But the Bengals' draft needs, looking here, was not a wide receiver, and they did not draft a wide receiver. No, they did draft one wide receiver, basically one of the final picks. Odd eight was Auden Tate from Florida State, so it's not a big need. But I think with who's on the roster, like Boyd has potential, and so I think he pretty good chance to make that roster. I'm thinking. Can we talk a minute about Nick Stevens? What about Nick Stevens going to uh, Washington? Is that correct? Which I think is a fairly decent situation for him because yes, you know the red the you know Washington football team did sign Alex Smith to a fat contract. Oh geez, that's but I, good for him. But well, I will defend Alex Smith to the death. No, so why? Anyway. No, no. I, I think that, well, I'm just saying <laughs> the amount of guaranteed money for his age seems quite a bit. That's where I'm coming from. Like he, but the, there's a million reasons we can get Alex Smith why he did well or not well with the Niners. But let's move on to Stevens here. But, you know, Colt McCoy probably had another concussion while I finished this <laughs> sentence. And, you know, Kevin Hogan didn't wasn't really all that impressive in Cleveland last year, which, you know, granted that the situation was a mess, but, you know, those aren't necessarily world beaters behind Smith under center, if that makes sense. Sure. And so I think that, that if Stevens ends up having a pretty good minicamp, he could find his way onto a roster. Do we know who they signed or, anybody else? Did they sign any other undrafted quarterbacks? Uh, I did not look, but I don't think so. They'd, I know they. I'm ninety percent sure, ninety five percent sure they didn't draft a quarterback. They did draft a couple defensive tackles, no quarterbacks, offensive linemen. Um, I'd have to look and see, but you're right. Like the depth on the roster, I know it's only mini camp invite, which is not as good as undrafted deal. Hopefully, I could see that turning into being on the roster because that's kind of odd. They, I'm trying to look up their undrafted team players they picked up, but if you think about it. You're going to sign – typically teams will bring in one or two quarterbacks every year no matter what. That's kind of typically what to do, whether it's a free agent guy, whether it's a drafting the guy, whether it's a free agency. They want to bring in some sort of quarterback. And you're right. Everybody to, answer your question, to answer your question, by the way, they did not sign – they did not draft another quarterback. They didn't bring in any other quarterbacks to the mini camp either. What about undrafted guy? None. None? So Stevens None. Is, okay, interesting. As far as quarterbacks go, he's oh, the yeah, only yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, obviously quarterback. Um, no, that's still interesting that they bring in no other quarterback at all, whether undrafted or rookie camp, which leads me to be, leads me to be if he does reasonably well, he'll get picked up for an undrafted deal to make to go to summer camp. That's funny, summer camp for whatever <laughs> grown man. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you make a good point. He could be and like when he played, he played good. Like I, he was the arguably the best quarterback in the conference last year. Is that too much to say? I, well, I mean, let's reframe it a little bit. He was at least the best quarterback in the conference for the, for the latter half of 2016. Yeah, I'm saying. But so, he, like, we've impressive. seen we've seen what he, we we've seen what he can do at his peak, and so you know, if he can go into a mini camp and find that form, he can absolutely make a roster. He just does not need to do 2016 Colorado offseason opener performance. Avoid that, and you're probably good. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's a that's a good point. A good spot where he could make a. 
Why did they just give him undrafted? Deal? I don't know. But the other quarterbacks are lackluster. And isn't Kevin Hogan like in year three, something fairly younger guy out of Stanford? Yeah, but like I said, he wasn't. Nece- he didn't necessarily blow the doors off of anybody. You know, when he had the chance to seize the job in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly thinking that he's going to be a huge obstacle if, if Stevens finds a way to shine. I think he has a chance to. Yeah, because even the who is going to be their backup? Like, I don't know. It's it better not be Colt McCoy. That's all I'm that's saying. Okay. If you got Colt McCoy, <laughs> you have Kevin Hogan. Who is the other quarterback you mentioned? Was there another quarterback? Um, no, that was it. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the roster here. Shit, that's a bold pick. If we, can we can that be our stupid upset pick? He makes the roster. He's the backup for the Washington team next year. I really don't think it's that much of an upset pick, though. For us, but for people who follow the skins, <laughs> maybe it is. I'm hold on. I'm trying. Where's their? Dang, give me their depth chart. I want something. No, I don't want your cheerleaders. I want. I just want to check their team really quick. Their roster, just to make sure. Quarterback. I we know Alex Smith is a starter, so we're both familiar. That's the case. I'm just double checking. You're right. I'm calling. He's gonna be the backup quarterback next year. Nick Stevens will right. be the backup quarterback for the Washington Redskins because Kevin Hogan, per my answer, also. It doesn't help when Kevin Hogan doesn't have a number assigned to him, a jersey number. That doesn't give confidence <laughs> to make it a team. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair argument. And Colt McCoy, can you believe if he's going to be entering year 10? No, actually I can't. It seems like yesterday he busted his shoulder versus Alabama in the title game. Seems like yesterday Ndamukong Sue was suplexing him in the Big 12 title game. And he saved – Ruined was it Boise State season? Season one second on the clock, <laughs> or oh, TCU, or, yes. or was it TCU? One of the two, I forget. Back in years ago, where could have happened? Could have had a big time. All right, I think we've exhausted our draft options. Anything else? Final moments you want to mention about the draft, free agency? Any notes we missed, or something? I nah, I think we're all set. But if there are players that you were wondering where they ended up and we didn't talk about them on the podcast, definitely be sure to check out mwwire.com. Yes, we have a free agency tracker. If we missed anybody because players are after, or even we're doing this Sunday, sorry. The players are added probably through tonight maybe. There's a bunch of CSU guys. Are you surprised real quick CSU had the most undrafted guys picked up with what, like nine it looks like? Eight, nine? One, two. Yeah, and eight players. That, I mean, maybe a little bit, Boise but then I one, wonder. I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that they, you know, going back and looking at how many people performed at every pro day. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how that how that lines up as far as like a percentage of guys who were at a pro day who landed a spot in a mini camp or something like that. Yeah, because San Jose State had five. Which, yeah, and a part of it too, like Fresno had one because there are a lot of young players on their team. They're all coming back, so that's why there's probably Scott was the only guy picked up. Yeah. So, well, I'm, oh, can I also just add real quick? I'm actually really shocked that Malik Forrester hasn't found a deal yet. Is he uh, Nevada, correct? No, he's no. Fresno State. Oh, no, no, you're right. Oh, geez, why am I th- I'm thinking Malik, uh, somebody else, sorry. Malik Forrester. Ooh, he has not yet, so we do a Twitter search real quick for Malik Forrester. <laughs> Where do you think? I've been, I've been looking. Oh, you have been looking? So my 10-second yeah. tweet here, let's see. Live update, Malik Forrester, no results. Sorry. I probably spelled his name wrong, but that's okay. But it's shocking. Okay. No, that's that's a good point. We'll, but again, we'll keep that updated up. It'll be in our top five articles at the top. So um, we don't have comments set up. We should hopefully any day now have comments set up for the site. But if we miss anything or there's a free agent guy or some sometimes guys get two tryouts. So say um, the uh, Drew Van Manen, the uh, fullback log snapper has a Texans tryout. 
he may get a tryout with the Niners or Cowboys or Saints or something within a week. So if we miss that, let us know. Send us a tweet, MWC Wire, so that we can be aware and update that. We'll probably keep that up for the next couple of days because that'll change. We'll probably or likely have some Josh Allen updates or Leighton Vander Esch first-round updates when mini camps get underway, all that type of stuff. Uh, that's our draft. We're going to talk about the spring game for Nevada and Hawaii. Um, guess not. Sorry, folks. Go read um, Hawaii's official website. Uh, Nevada official website if you want news on that. Definitely check our article. There's, al- there's always next week, you know. Sure, I guess. What are, what are, what are we going to do next week? Because we're getting close to previewing 2018. Is next week our um, how to watch games for streaming because they sent out the email to all season ticket holders? Is that our next show? So what are we? So why don't we talk about spring games and we'll we'll talk about the last couple spring games and we'll talk about that. Perfect. So we will. Yeah. So if you have any spring game questions, probably mostly Nevada, Fresno, or not Fresno. Geez, um, we talked about Fresno. Nevada, Hawaii, anybody else? Any other lingering questions through spring? We'll touch on that. But then also, we'll do an article because our guy Jesse, who does a Wyoming stuff, sent me an email. I don't know if you got it as well because I think it's maybe season ticket holders. But it's a generic to every team in the conference because you see the results or the questions asked. It's basically streaming options, which means a lot of things because ESPN Plus is a thing now. You have... Sling, Roku, well, not those aren't the things, but uh, just streaming options, especially ESPN Plus being a new player. Stadium, mm-hmm. Facebook Watch, which is probably or what I'm hearing not doing too well on Major League Baseball games because they're random <laughs> baseball games that nobody cares about. But if you have questions on how to stream, we'll do that too, like we did last week. If you have Sling TV, if you have Hulu, if you have Roku who, to get the stream, the best streaming device, I don't know why I keep saying Roku. That's not a streaming service, it's a device. So, Sounds like a plan. That's our plan. I'm going to stop talking because apparently I've ran out of words to say. I'll keep saying Roku five more times. But check <laughs> us out. Uh, again, MWR.com, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that great stuff. And, hey, if you want to, anything you want us to write about we haven't discussed, let us know. We'll talk about it. We have the offseason is still here for football. We still have months and months of summer nothingness. So if you want something silly, which we're obliged to talk about, we will not spoil Avengers here because we've all seen it. If you want to talk about food, if you want to watch me eat ham to prove that I'll eat ham, let me know and I'll do that for you. But watching somebody eat is kind of weird, so we may pass on that. But that's all we got tonight. I'm going to end now because we are officially done. Uh, again, again, MWWire.com, that's our website. Matt Kennelly, thank you for joining me. Absolutely. As always, we'll be back, I think, every Sunday going forward, and we'll see you next time, folks.